Hello, everybody, and welcome to Inside Physician Recruiting. My guest today is Tiffany Davis with St. Alphonsus, which is part of Trinity Health. Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jerry. Absolutely. I'm glad we could get this going. We, we tried to have some some rescheduling going on as is customary, but glad we could finally get together. Um, you know, I, I wanted to start with with how did you get started in the industry? What, what was your first role in the physician recruiting space? Well, I got back uh, back in 2012. I got into recruiting, as many people say, sort of by accident. I was living in Alaska in a really remote community. Oh, wow. I was working for a nonprofit Catholic healthcare system. They had a small critical access hospital there. And I actually worked um, doing administrative support for a medical group leadership. And there was a vacancy for our physician recruiter opening. And I had watched some of that work happening in the admin role and just thought it was interesting. And so when that position became available, I expressed interest and moved into that role um, and did that there for about three years and then took a a tangent um, and did some other work in healthcare, mostly in operations. I got pretty interested in ops from working on the recruiting side um, and then moved out of healthcare completely for a few years and did other types of recruitment. Um, so I just got back into physician recruiting April of last year um, with a different organization, but with another nonprofit Catholic healthcare kind of community-based system. Nice. I have to ask, are you from Alaska? My husband is from Alaska, so that's how we ended up there. We were in Ketchikan, which is a, an island oh, yeah. community in Southeast. Awesome. So you've had the ability to see recruiting, operations, recruiting in other areas. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm sure that's sort of helped you with your current position. What is it that you do currently for St. Alphonsus? Is it perm recruiting? Is it the locums? What do you manage there? Currently, uh, yeah, in-house perm recruitment for community hospital uh, kind of work. So mostly I have specialty openings, mostly physician openings. Occasionally I'll be assigned a, a specialty APP, but majority just in-house uh, physician openings that we have within our medical group. What are you seeing in terms of timeframes? I mean, you know, I, I read all these articles on the typical time it takes to fill an opportunity. And, you know, obviously it varies greatly by location and specialty, but what would you say is a, a typical fill time these days for a perm opportunity? Oh, at least a few months. I think it depends, like you just said, totally on the specialty, like a hospitalist opening, not near as long as, say, a neurohospitalist opening. So I think it varies uh, quite a bit. Uh, but in general, I'd say usually, uh, you know, within one to two months, depending on how hard the specialty is and how quick right. you can get your strategy going for kind of your sourcing and advertising, that kind of thing. Um, we can get some candidates rolling, but People are really busy, even the candidates. So sometimes getting, sometimes we can bring somebody out right away. Sometimes we have to wait until they're available um, and then kind of go from there. So it's, you got to plan ahead. It's several months out. Are you finding that people are more open to doing visits virtually as a result of the COVID or, or is it still they want to come out on site to see as part of the process? We haven't been doing a lot of virtual visits. Sometimes we'll do a virtual team interview. Um, if there's a delay or if the candidate, sometimes the candidate will ask, they'd say, hey, I'd love to just do a video meeting with your team. So usually we'll do that if the candidate requests it. Um, but most of the time we really wanna, if it's a candidate, we're really interested and we want them to come out, get yeah. a good feel for the team in person, see the facility, see the community. I mean, that's, 
that's what where the good is. And I don't think they're going to get that same level on a video call. I agree. So how is it different now than that first seat you had in Alaska 10 years ago? I mean, you know, obviously you're still reaching out and, you know, proposing opportunities, but what would you think the main differences are between what you're doing now and what it looked like 10 years ago? I think it's a little difficult to compare only because um, same work, but not apples to apples because that was really rural, remote kind of recruiting. Um, oftentimes there, we wouldn't consider uh, people coming right out of training because there just wasn't the support uh, for them because it was a smaller group. Right. Or now I'm in a much bigger metro, much bigger healthcare system. Uh, so some of that looks a little different, but I think within the market, um, I think you know there's more severe physician shortages now than there were in 2012, particularly in some of the subspecialties. Well, and even some of the primary care is super hard to fill. Um, and then what I find interesting is that a lot of my candidates are looking at many opportunities, sometimes looking broadly. They may be interviewing in three or four different states uh, within like a two-month period. Wow. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I've definitely heard has shifted where, you know, years ago, a big focus was on, you know, the compensation and student loan repayment and things like that, especially for the new grads, of course. But it seems like now it's a lot more about community and lifestyle and, you know, just I think all the stuff we're seeing across the generation and all pieces of the job market. Are you kind of seeing the same thing in, in the people you're talking to? Yeah, I think lifestyle is a huge thing. Almost any time I have a call with a prospective candidate, they're interested in the schedule. That's really important to them. They're interested not just in the day-to-day, -day, but also, you know, obviously, what does the call schedule look like? Um, I also have a lot of people ask about leadership opportunities. Is there a path for a medical directorship at some point? They can, can they get involved in a physician committee at some point, particularly with the people that are earlier in their career. They're looking for opportunities um, that maybe not initially, but they know it's going to be there if they were to come, that they can work towards that. Right. So given how competitive the industry is and how much tougher it's getting with, you know, the, the shortage and the new players, any tips or tricks that you think might or have been helping you to kind of stand out with these providers, given they're bombarded from, you know, so many different angles and so many different people? I smile only because I just, <laughs> yeah, what you're saying is all true. It's hard. Um, I think timely follow-up is so important. It doesn't necessarily make your opportunity stand out, but people that are actively looking are looking. Um, and so you got to be quick, I think, to get back with people and to try to get them in um, talking with one of your physicians on the phone or in for a site visit as soon as your process allows, as soon as the candidate's available. I think you really miss out um, if you let things go with the candidate, uh, people just move on to other things that they're interested in. Um, but as far as what I'm doing here, I think Boise has been in the news as a place where a ton of people migrated, uh, particularly during the pandemic. I myself uh, moved here in 2021. Uh, so um, we're in a location that has a lot of good things to offer that people are generally aware of. So that's a huge help. Yeah. Um, and then St. Alphonsus is uh, really mission focused. Um, so for some candidates, that's really attractive. That's something they're really interested in. Uh, and so that's another thing that can sometimes set us apart from um, a competing organization that they're considering. Sure, sure. So what's your favorite thing about your job? 
Well, I really enjoy uh, hosting the site visits. We still do that here. Uh, so because I live in Boise, I go with to the hospital for almost all of my candidate site visits and really escort the candidate around all day. Uh, so I feel like it's a kind of a fun opportunity on a couple different levels. You really get to be an ambassador for your organization um, and for your community. Over the course of the day, I think you learn a lot more about the candidate because you hear different things in different conversations, they get more comfortable. So you kind of get a better sense of what they're really looking for and whether or not you're picking up things that might be a flag, might be a gap or information that you know that you could give them that might be helpful because you realize that's important to them. Um, and then I also just love the learning aspect. I mean, you get to work with different specialties. So sometimes you sit in on interviews and you're just certainly not a clinical person, but I find it just fascinating. Um, you know, it's very, I think things are always more complex than they seem to be. So when you get to hear the different sides talking about uh, the role, it's, it's just always interesting. Well, I would think the, the site visits help you to sell it too, because I would imagine while you're walking through so many questions and comments are coming up from the candidates that you can sort of put in, you know, your back pocket for the next time you're presenting to another candidate. You know, just things that, you know, as a recruiter, you might not think about, but it's important to the provider. And now, oh, here's something I've got to mention from, you know, this point forward. Absolutely. A lot of times I'll update my notes following site visits because I almost always will pick up things that I didn't already know about. I mean, sometimes the other thing I think is a big benefit is that a candidate might ask a question in one group or ask you a question privately and you realize that they don't, for whatever reason, maybe they feel sensitive about it and they don't want to bring it up because they don't want it to be perceived in like a negative way or something. Right. So you can just ask the question yourself because you know that the candidate wanted to know and you can just act like, oh, I was curious about this. Can you tell me about this, Dr. Blah, blah, blah? And then you know that your candidate got their question answered. Yeah, no, that's a great perception because there, there are a lot of things that, like you said, they're just not comfortable bringing up and it's almost like you're their advocate and you can put that out there and get the answer for them. So on the other side, then, what what is the biggest challenge of your job? Mm, I think you have to be really resilient. <laughs> and I think that can be hard. I mean, even for, for me, for sure, coming back into it, um, you know, you're going to get declines. You're going to try things that are just not going to immediately generate a lot of interest. And I think uh, that can be discouraging, um, particularly because you're invested, you know, especially here, because I, I know in person the teams that I'm working with, I know the community need, and sometimes you really like your candidate. And so when it doesn't come together, that's disappointing, but you can't, you can't let that sit with you. I think you can have kind of a disappointed moment and then you just gotta keep going and uh, try for the next great candidate that might be a good fit for the role. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard, but you know, at the end of the day, it's almost, a numbers game to some extent, right? I mean, you're, you're not going to win them all. And chances are the ones you don't get are probably better off because the people Absolutely. that for whatever reason, they wouldn't have stayed long-term and, you know, it's better to really get those people that have sort of self-selected into, yeah, this is definitely where I want to be in long-term. Yes. So specialty wise, um, are, are you seeing any areas that are particularly tough or is it just sort of the across the board, everything is challenging just because of the shortage out there? I think for me, I've the biggest challenges have been in the neurosciences, um, but it does totally depend on the role. Um, but the neurosciences have been a little bit harder. I don't have any of our surgical specialties, but I've had like um, some of our inpatient, like neuro hospitalists, neurointensivists, neurointerventional radiology. Um, so those ones, 
there are candidates, but it's just a little bit of a harder yeah. process. And then HEMOC has been really challenging. But what I find with most of my openings is it'll have these kind of waves where I might go through a time of like, I'm doing some sourcing, I'm trying to put the feelers out there and I might just not have any fresh candidates for several weeks. And then suddenly, probably because the sourcing's catching up, I'll get a big influx of candidates. So I'll spend some time, we'll work through that pipeline um, and may or may not fill the role, um, but it, it just kind of goes up and down. But I'd say Hemonk and neuroscience has been my hardest. Most of my others, you know, we have, sort of steady traffic. Um, it's just kind of working through the process. Right. And then to stay on top of the industry and sort of what's going on with, you know, compensation and just, you know, topics in general, are there any particular sites you go to or resources or organizations that you're a part of? I really like AAPPR and I was a member back before, um, before they changed their name to AAPPR. Are you going and to the Austin show? No, I'm not able to go this year, but hopefully next year. I did join one of their committees because I just want to get nice. more involved. Uh, so that's awesome. been interesting. But I think their webinars are excellent. Um, it's just not always uh, an exact, you know, all organizations are different. We're not an academic center, um, but I think there's things to learn from all the different places that are doing similar work. So I really enjoy the, the people that they bring on for their webinars. I always find those useful. And then I think on LinkedIn, I try to follow other physician recruiters or other big healthcare systems. I just like to see what other people are doing, what they're, what's out there. Um, so I don't know. I'm, you ask around. <laughs> no, it's actually a great idea because everybody has their own way of doing things. I mean, how they present jobs on LinkedIn you know, what, how often they're talking about jobs. Are they presenting their jobs and things about the community, things about the system, or is it just, you know, you, you kind of watch and see what works, right? And if it catches your eye, then you have to think, well, that might be appealing to a candidate. So, you know, that, that kind of makes sense to do that. Oh, what would you and say? One other thing, sorry. No, no, uh, go ahead. Related is I set up Google alerts, which seems a little silly, but I set up Google alerts for some keywords like physician recruiting, physician compensation. I set it up for Boise. Uh, I set it up for St. Alphonsus and Trinity Health uh, because I want to know what my candidates might be seeing in the news about my organization, my community. And then I also want to see if are there any big news stories directly related to the industry that I should just sort of be aware of. Yeah, because there's so many things tied into it as well, right? It's not just about the job in the city. It's, you know, what are the politics like there? What is the crime right there? What is the real estate market? What is the economy looking like? I mean, there's so many things that people weigh in moving somewhere that you kind of have to be on top of all that to be able to at least speak to it. Um, so if you had to come up with a list of like the top three things, I mean, if, if somebody was looking to get a new job and, you know, join the organization as a recruiter, what are those three traits that you think you would look for to say, okay, I, I think if they have these three things, they're probably gonna be successful in the role as a recruiter. I think a good curiosity, like enjoy, enjoy that you're gonna keep asking questions and keep learning and just know that like you are not gonna know, things are gonna keep changing. So somebody that is um, that likes that, that kind of continual learning and changing, um, again, I think resiliency is super important because you just have to keep trying. Um, sometimes things are hard to fill. It takes a long time and you keep trying and keep trying again. Um, and then again, I think the follow-up's really important. Like this is not a good job for somebody that uh, wants to sort of take their time. You have to have sort of an internal sense of urgency um, and you don't want to be pushy with your candidates. 
but you want to feel an urgency to get back to them, to get back to your stakeholders. I think that's super important. Um, you can't be shy on the phone. I mean, you have to be willing to talk to people. Yeah, it, it is a fine line, right? Because on one hand, you don't want to be annoying or pushing, but you also know that there are so many people probably contacting that same provider about other opportunities. And it's just trying to figure out what's the perfect balance to where I'm always pushing that conversation forward and moving that process forward, but I'm not annoying them and bothering them. And I think personally I've erred on the too much sometimes because I'd rather lose a deal that way than, you know, I didn't contact them enough and somebody else has already got them, you know, signing and I wasn't even able to get them out for a site visit. But that is one of the things you struggle with as a recruiter is, you know, how hard do you push and how much do you stay in front of them versus too much? I agree. Yeah. I was yeah. kind of striking that balance. And I think it varies a little bit, even candidate to candidate. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You could tell a lot by the way that they're communicating with you. And even by specialty, I think there's a big difference in how they communicate. Yes. A any advice for somebody new? I mean, if somebody, you know, listening is new to the physician recruiting role and, you know, they're kind of struggling, what, what advice would you have for them? I think try to do a great intake if you can. If you're in a position where you can go on site, I don't have to go on site. I work remote quite a bit, but I will usually try to go in person and go meet with my hiring manager, go see with my own eyes the space where the physician's going to be working. And I just think that is helpful context when you're talking to physicians. I feel more authentic in my conversations with them. If I can speak to kind of what it's like, um, at least for my eyes. Um, and then... Uh, I would say don't be intimidated. I think if you're really new in the industry and you're working all day, calling physicians, contacting physicians, it, you could be intimidated. You know that they're in kind of, you know, have a high level of education. They're doing really important work. It could be easy to feel like, oh, I don't know. But I think physicians are just people. I mean, they're doing really important work. Um, they're doing great service to the community. They are highly educated, but really like they're just looking for a lot of the same things that everybody is looking for. They want a fulfilling career. They want a great community to live in with their family. Like, so I think not letting that stuff get to you um, is important. Like you, you just want to be yourself and, and feel confident going into those conversations and you're not going to be able to answer all their questions every time. And you just let them know, oh, I'll find that out for you. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I could definitely see that, right? I mean, you're, you know, you're 24 years old, you're right out of college, and here you are interviewing a, a neurosurgeon. It, it can be daunting, but I, I think as long as you're clear on, you know, you're not trying to be a neurosurgeon, you don't pretend to be, you're an expert in your job and the opportunity that you're presenting. And I think what you said earlier, right? I mean, the more you can get on site, see it physically, meet the members of the team, the better you can explain that. And the better you can explain it, I think the more confidence you have. And that just kind of carries over in that process. So what do you think the future holds? I mean, obviously, there's a lot going on right now. There's, you know, AI and technology and all these new tools coming on the scene. You've got, I mean, I just saw the other day where now Best Buy is setting up at-home hospitals. You've got Walmart and CVS and all these big players coming in. The staffing industry is booming. Doctors are leaving. I mean, when you look five, 10 years down the line, what do you think the role of an in-house physician recruiter looks like? It's a good question. I think um, that 
hopefully we'll see more automation. I mean, there's some automation right now, obviously, but like you said, with AI and all these other things that are coming out, I, I don't know how that will impact recruitment, but I, I can't imagine that it won't. Um, I also think we'll probably see more APPs where maybe ideally, historically, we would have had a physician. It just wouldn't surprise me um, because of staffing shortages. Um, if we could continue to see increase in APPs, uh, those are kind of the main things. Yeah, I thought there was something else I was going to Yeah, because that, that's probably the biggest complaint, right, is that, you know, so many of the things you have to do are very time-consuming, you know, sending emails, texts, going on job boards. More time spent talking to candidates and showing them around is ideal, and I think, you know, the, the AI tech is definitely going to help with that pretty soon, I think. So last question I have, and, you know, this doesn't have to be tied to – recruiting, but what is a recommendation you would have for the audience and why? Oh, well, this is not tied to recruiting, but if you work from home, it's tied to that. So I have a, a recently in January, I got one of those under desk walking pads, like the under desk treadmill. Excellent. That's been a great purchase. I feel like it's so good, not just for physical health, because, you know, if you're at home, you're not walking around the campus like you used to, um, but also for mental health. I think just to get your body moving, it's been a great Great purchase. Highly recommend. So it's a completely flat treadmill that you can put under the desk? Yeah, it's just got two wheels on the front. So I just roll it under the desk. I've got one of those, you know, adjustable desks. Hmm. So just roll it under the desk and try to get my 10,000 steps in on it during the day. You have to walk really slow. Um, otherwise, I, I find it hard to actually work. But if you're willing to walk slow, it's still better than just sitting. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm going to have to check that out. Well, it's been great having you on. I, I appreciate sharing your insight. Again, every conversation I have, I, I learned something new and hopefully the people out there did as well. So um, thanks for coming on and hope you guys enjoy this episode until the next one coming soon. Thanks, Jerry. You're welcome.